Emergency Podcast. Good morning, everybody. This is Vic Lopez for the All Things Basketball Podcast. I want to go ahead and get right into this episode and start by just, uh, obviously, everyone's heard the news about Kevin Durant requesting a trade. The Kyrie Irving information was pretty expected. Uh, He opted in, obviously, to that big one-year deal left. Um, He opted into that. Obviously, he's going to be on his way out uh, either this year or next uh, when the contract is up. We'll see what happens with that. I do want to start this pod by saying it is a huge curveball that comes our way hearing that Kevin Durant wants to be traded. Um, you, You know, with all that time left on his deal... Uh, there was a lot of ideas behind at least running it back for an extra year. Uh, you hear some news about Kyrie Irving potentially being traded and then trying to sway KD to just stay in Brooklyn with what they can get. Um, but obviously, that doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like Kevin Durant's going to be traded. Um, now, that being said, there is a lot of time left on his deal. Um, so just because you hear these rumors, it is free agency. Uh, we all get excited and everyone wants to, you know, throw in trade packages, all the podcasters, YouTubers head out to the trade machine and try to think of ways to get KD on their team. Um, there's a lot of good packages out there. There's a lot of good ideas, but I do want to preface this by saying, you know, This could be one of those Ben Simmons situations where they hold on to Kevin Durant until they find something good, right? They don't have to trade him right now. Uh, Yes, he's unhappy, but they don't have to trade him. Um, And that's something that people need to also remember. It's not like just because he gave Miami and the Phoenix Suns his options that that's where he's going to go. Those days are long gone. I think that teams are willing to to call, right? We got an alert from Woj uh, that basically said over half the league was calling for Kevin Durant trade packages. Uh, so obviously they don't care that Kevin Durant didn't list them on his uh, on his list of preferred teams. Um, and rightfully so, because the contract is still, there's still a lot of time left on it. So, you know, teams are going to bank on that. They, they, they want to do the whole, you know, the way the Toronto Raptors Uh, did it with Kawhi, where they weren't able to get him to stay, but it ended up being a championship. And a lot of teams are going to try to do that, especially because in this scenario, uh, it's not a one-year-left type of thing with Kevin Durant. You you have him for a couple of years. So, you know, if you trade for him now, you have a couple of uh, years to get it right. You have a couple of years to kind of build around it and figure it out. Uh, So a lot of teams are calling for KD, and rightfully so. Um, honestly, it's, it's very hard to predict where KD is going to end up. Uh, him ending up with the Warriors was, I mean, it was one of those curveballs, you know, it was one of those things we didn't expect. Um, and he's just a really unpredictable athlete. Um, he really does, uh, obviously he's engaged on Twitter, but aside from that, you really don't know someone of that caliber where they're really going to end up, especially because of the value for him, right? Everyone loves Kevin Durant. He, he's, he's, he's officially become, uh, the most important free agency target, right? Uh, compared to a lot of other players right now. Um, and he's not even a free agent. (laughs) So that's the funny part, right? Like he's, he's all of a sudden the topic of conversation because it's Kevin Durant. 
um, even though there are a bunch of, of players now available in free agency. Um, so right now it's the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Um, you know, what you could expect from this is if I'm the Nets, right? And let's just say we appease Kevin, right? We're not going to appease him with Miami because let's be honest, the, the Miami packages just aren't good, right? The picks aren't going to be good. They're going to be late. The Heat is going to be a solid team. Um, so the picks aren't going to be enticing. And then you think about Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson or Max Struess. And you're thinking, I'm giving up Kevin Durant for, okay, Tyler Hero, good young player. We still have some ceiling left for him. Um, it's still too soon to tell what he's going to be. He's had really great moments in his, in his career early on. Um, but for Kevin Durant, I would want good picks, right? Like early picks, you know, from teams that if I swap with them, you know, we're going to get a good pick order, right? We're going to pick early in the draft. Um, I don't want to necessarily get picks from a team that's going to be good because those picks are going to, you know, not that they're going to suck because you never know what comes out of a pick. But if you're picking later, obviously your chances are slimmer of getting something good. So, um, you know, if you're the if you're the Nets, you're going to want either... Uh, young established talent, right? That's on the way up, um, and 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 we can categorize that, right? It's like a, I don't know, like a Donovan Mitchell or, um, you know, like a Devin Booker, uh, someone in that caliber, right? Like a Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum. Even though obviously Jason Tatum wouldn't be available, um, the Boston Celtics have obviously kept that close to the hip. They're, they're not going to, he's an untouchable for the Celtics. So I'm, I'm just trying to give you the category of player, right? The caliber of player that I would want back if I'm trading Kevin Durant. Now, if I can't get that caliber of player, right? Because teams are also a lot smarter nowadays than they were before. Um, you know, even though Kevin does have a couple of years on his contract, he is, you know, on the older side of his career with injury history. So yes, he's still great, uh, you put him on a good team right now, that team's a contender, no question. Um, but that's, you know, that's a concern. You're giving up your future for someone that's going to give you a two to three year window, right? Like a two year window um, of potential winning, right? So, um, but that's always going to be just based on the philosophy of the team, right? Which team trades for Kevin? If I'm the Nets, I would seriously consider a trade with the Suns. Not because I'm appeasing Kevin, but because the Suns can give you Aiton, right? Who they clearly doesn't seem like they want. Um, and you can, obviously, I would assume that Mikhail Bridges would be involved in that. And then on top of that, you take all the picks you can get. And I think you have Ben Simmons on your roster if, when you're the Nets, right? Defensive player, playmaker. Uh, then you get Aiton, defensive player, been in the finals. Uh, a lot of ceiling left, a lot of potential left for him. And you get Mikhail Bridges. Super lockdown defender, uh, you know, that's a that's not a bad team, right? That's not a bad start. I'm not saying that's championship and, and comparable to Kevin, but hey, those are building blocks, you know? The Nets can be a really tough defensive team. Uh, and then at that point, you would just fill the holes with scoring. So that doesn't sound like an awful team uh, and an awful option for them, right? Because you're getting picks and you're getting young established talent. Obviously, they know more than we do about the Ben Simmons situation, are they going to move Ben? Are they going to keep him? That still remains to be seen. I don't know what to expect of that. But if I'm the Nets, like I said, um, I'm going to go for, if I can't get the young established talent, I'm going to need to stockpile some picks. We need to get some some good picks, right? I don't care where I'm sending him if I can get those picks. 
Um, that being said, it's going to be a mystery. It could be something that doesn't even happen this season. Um, I wouldn't expect that, to be honest. I think the Nets would want to get the ball rolling as soon as they can. Obviously, if to their benefit, right? Um, but the problem is the Nets gave up their future for KD and Kyrie, right? So it's like you, you have to be competitive. So what do you do now? Um, you're going to need to... <laughs> You're going to need to get some some future picks. So that's what I think the Nets should do, right? If you're not going to get young, established talent, don't try to swap star for star. Uh, just, you know, stockpile the future. Um, Victor Wembenyama is coming next year, right? The French player. Amazing talent. We don't know what that's going to be. That's a potential right there. Some some potential things that teams are going to be in the sweepstakes for Victor Wembenyama. Uh, that's going to be very interesting to see next season. But before getting ahead of that, I want to talk about this season. Uh, those top three picks, right, in the draft uh, that I talked about on the, on, the, on my first episode, um, you know, Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith, the order was not what everyone thought it was going to be. Definitely threw a curveball at me and most of the Orlando Magic people covering the team. Uh, there was no workout with Paolo and the Magic, so that was another reason why most people did not have Paolo number one. Those who did have Paolo number one were the Paolo believers, obviously. Uh, obviously, there's a big crowd of people that believe uh, Paolo's going to be the best player out of the three, and potentially the best player of that draft class, uh, so I understand that. Now, Orlando Magic picking Paolo clearly, to me, says that you know, screw the fit situation. We can move things around. We can change things around. Um, this is more of a best player available at number one. We're going to pick them and we're going to run with it. We're going to figure it out afterwards. Um, and that's respectable, you know, especially for a team that has is always in the lottery, is always with high aspirations for the draft times. Um, you know, they're probably tired of doing these theoretical picks these picks that have high ceiling and high bust potential, but we take a swing and we take a swing and we take a swing. I think this was finally a, okay, if we're going to swing, let's pick someone that has a general consensus that is going to be the best player in the draft. So they went with Paolo. Um, and you know how I felt about that. You heard me on episode one. Don't want to go too deep into that, but obviously the fit isn't there for me. Um, I'm not a big... Um, I am a big best player available pick, but I feel like to get your team going in the right direction, you have to keep fit into account because if something doesn't fit, your team is going to suck still um, because obviously now you're having to rearrange things for the new picks coming in. So um, that's where I fall with Chet with OKC. On episode one of the podcast, I was explaining that I would have loved to see Chet with Orlando and I would have also loved to see Chet with OKC. Now, I'm super happy to say that OKC took Chet number two overall. Um, they're obviously banking on the player that, in my opinion, has the most tools, uh, more equipped than Jabari and Chet in the sense of he's a Swiss Army knife at seven feet, like I explained in episode one. And he just has an extremely high ceiling. Uh, he solves a lot of the problems potentially on paper that OKC needs, which are added defense to their uh, front line, um, also a switchable player, someone that can play small ball and can play tall ball, 
right? He can, they can, he, if they go big, they can throw Chet out there. If they go small and they want to get out and run, Chet can definitely do that. Um, so that's a, I think it's a perfect fit. You, you put him in there with Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Poku, who showed some, some good flashes the second half of the season. I think that OKC is on the rise. This is a NBA League Pass team must watch for the fun of it. Um, I, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think they're a little bit off from that. I think they're a year off from being able to do that. Um, I think they need more time to develop. Um, but I do think if you want to ask me the teams to watch in League Pass, obviously it's the team that just got the number one pick, Orlando Magic, um, followed by OKC uh, with Chet Holmgren and obviously the continued growth of uh, probably my favorite player on OKC, uh, before Chet, which was Josh Giddy. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about the OKC pick. Obviously, uh, not too much to get into. I I can't wait until the season starts so I can see how they synergize. Uh, just kind of how that chemistry starts to build, being the team player that Chet Holmgren is. And then I want to talk about uh, pick number three, which was Jabari Smith Jr. This was the expected person to go third. Uh, once those two guys were off the board, Jabari Smith was the obvious third. And... I know that the Rockets franchise, the the front office will probably tell you, oh yeah, we got the guy we wanted all along. Not the case before the draft went down, right? All we heard was Paolo to the Rockets. Paolo's going to fall third and they're going to get the guy they want. It's Paolo this, it's Paolo that. 6'10", 250. Pair that with Jalen Green. You pair that with KPJ, Alperin Sengun, Josh Christopher, guys like that. And the team starts to have an identity. They get a tough kid who's ready to... To, to help contribute to winning some more games. Um, but no, you know, they eventually, they instead, they get the third best available pick from those top three projected guys, which is Jabari. Um, I think that I'm not happy with that, uh, with that fit for Jabari simply because he left a shot-chucking team in Auburn with ball-dominant guards that were... Ball-dominant is putting it very generously. I think they were ball-hogs. Um, and you can find a lot of content out, out there on YouTube um, if you want to find out. If you didn't watch any Auburn games, it was a mess. Uh, they were very fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. They were very fun. It's a very modern style team run by guards. Um, but it, there was a lot of shot chucking, a lot of ball hogging, and a lot of last second shot attempts given to Jabari because of the clock. Um, so this is a similar scenario in Houston where Jabari's joining a shot chucking isolation heavy, poor defensive team where you're just going to add another shot chucker. Jabari Smith is an amazing shooter. He's an elite shooter. He's probably going to be their best shooter uh, for time for the for the time being. Um, and he's going to spread the floor, right? He's going to help them a little bit in that sense, obviously. But he's not adding something that the team isn't already doing, in my opinion. Um, and that's how I feel about the, the, the Houston Rockets pick with Jabari. Kind of feel bad for him. Um, because I think when, when Chet went second moments before that, I think they told Jabari he was going to end up getting picked third. He did make a face kind of like a, like a kind of like a, like one of those sounds. Uh, it kind of looked like that's what he did when, when, uh, right before Chet was called. Um, so obviously it's more, it's probably more so because, um, he, you know, you want to be at least picked next. You have these high aspirations and then you eventually just fall to third. I hope the best for Jabari. I think of all three teams, 
Um, I think that we can definitely say that uh, OKC and Orlando uh, feel better about who they have than, than, than the Houston Rockets, simply because Paolo was arguably the best player out of the three, some people will say. Uh, Chet is was potentially one of those high ceiling guys. And then, you know, there was Jabari too. I personally like Jabari more than uh, Paolo. But in terms of being ending up happy in the draft, if, um, you know, Orlando Magic decided to go with Paolo and, uh, and they got him, right? They got their player. Um, and then obviously OKC gets the untapped high, high ceiling in Chet Holmgren. And then Houston Rockets get potentially the short end of the stick when it comes to who they really wanted. Um, so yeah, I want to get into current season uh, things now, obviously. I did talk about the Kevin Durant thing. I want to talk some Lakers. Um, there's a lot to be talked about when it comes to the Lakers. I'm going to keep this as short as I can. Um, I am going to go a little bit in depth about the coaching situation, about the roster situation, what's going on with Russell Westbrook, and how I see things going. So I don't I know that you can turn off the pod right now if you're sick of hearing about Laker information, Laker content, LeBron this, LeBron's legacy that, uh, Russell Westbrook, um, you know, it, it's it, it's nauseating really. There's so much Laker content out there that I am gonna refrain from providing Laker content. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try my best moving forward to, unless it's very important, unless it's something that really stands out, to refrain from providing just the oversaturated information. Everyone talks about the Lakers when the Lakers suck, when the Lakers are good. They're always a topic of conversation. I want to preface that by saying I've been a Laker fan since 2002, um, and I credit that to Kobe. Kobe is my favorite player of all time. I don't think he's the best player of all time. Um, I think he's obviously one of the all-time greats. He's, But he is my favorite player of all time. So um, naturally, I became a Laker fan. I'm 29 years old. I'm going to be 30 in November. Um, you know, so I've been a Laker fan for quite some time. I was obviously a kid uh, during those times, obviously in 2002. Um, but yeah, you know... As a Laker fan, I I am in the I'm on the side of I don't blame Russell Westbrook for all of the Lakers' problems. The Lakers have a bigger problem than Russ. Um, I think that roster construction around the LeBron Russ AD trio is what really is the disaster. Um, yes, Russell Westbrook can't shoot. Yes, he is one of the worst three point shooters in the NBA. Yes, he turns the ball over. Yes, he's a little crazy. He he he's just crazy with the ball, right? He he loses control sometimes. He falls out of the the offensive sequences often. Uh, he's not focused on defense. Doesn't defend well on the ball. Gets beat often. Loses track of guys. Yes, those are all things that we can talk about every single day about Russ. But if you're surrounding Russell Westbrook, non-shooter. LeBron, respectable shooter. Um, not a great shooter, but a respectable shooter. And then Anthony Davis, who shoots 18% from the three. He shot that last season. So we have three non-shooters. 
and we're surrounding them with two other role players who are streaky shooters and don't defend. You have a defensive-minded coach. Russ is not a good defender. Um, those two other role players, let's say it's Carmelo Anthony, let's say it's Malik Monk, uh, whoever else you want to throw in there. Kent Bazemore, you know, whoever they've, they've swapped in the rotations. None of those guys are consistent shooters. Carmelo was a really good three-point shooter in home games. Away games, he was good too, but it was very, it was back to earth, right? It wasn't, because in home games, Carmelo was shooting the lights out. But just overall, we're talking about just game to game, home, away, home, away. You know, in and out, right? Good shooter, keeps the defense honest, definitely a threat. I would say Carmelo is definitely a threat from three. But on defense, so now we have Russell Westbrook, we have Carmelo Anthony, uh, LeBron at times can be disengaged defensively, um, and then you have Anthony Davis in and out of lineups. So we hear this news about the Kyrie for, for Russell Westbrook swap. The only reason that I'm in favor of that swap, it has nothing to do with Russell Westbrook and me trying to get rid of him. Let's put a scenario in place. Let's say the Lakers have the same roster right now. Let's say they have the same guys that we have right now. Um, and, and we're bringing everyone back. Well, we're surrounding Russ, LeBron, and AD with, non, with, with streaky shooters and non-defenders. Hmm. We're not going to score well because their spacing is bad, and we're not going to defend either. So if that's the team, I would want to swap for Kyrie. Why? Because one thing, yes, Kyrie's not going to defend. Uh, let's get that out of the way. He's not going to defend, but it solves half-court offense problems, right? Because now, at least, at the very least, when the possession breaks down, when things are hectic, Kyrie can go out and get a bucket. He can attack the basket. He can knock down clutch shots, tough shots at a high rate. Um, he can he, he knocks down free throws, right? So So he's at least solving the offensive problems. Russ is not necessarily going to solve those because of who is around him. Russ is a very drive-and-kick guy. He likes to get to the basket. If the opportunity's there, he's finishing. If it's not, he's trying to kick it out. But if he's kicking it out to a non-shooter or a streaky shooter, what good is, is, is the attention he just drew if the person he's kicking it out to isn't even going to knock down shots? Or is relent, just relent, just not, just do not want to shoot, right? They, they, they refuse to shoot. Sometimes you see Austin Reeves, a good shooter, a good shooter, and he just passes up shots, passes up opportunities to attack. So if these are the role players, give me Kyrie. Give me Kyrie, you can take Russ. Because it's not Russ's fault that if he's driving and kicking, he's kicking to someone that's not going to knock down shots. The defense is going to is going to camp on the interior because obviously they don't have to guard Russ out there. So, but but that's fine. If if you have play if you have a player that can't shoot, that doesn't mean you can't win games. That doesn't mean you can't win games. You can win games if you have the proper pieces around you. Russell Westbrook is not the sole problem. Yes, he turns the ball over. Yes, he's not good defensively. But he can get good opportunities for guys. They just have to knock shots down. The lanes are packed. There's no holes in the defense. 
when Russ is trying to attack because there's no spacing. How can Russ do what Russ does if there's no spacing? Please. And my last point about these Lakers that I wanted to break down for you guys on this episode. Darvin Ham, the new coach. Love his personality. Um, You know, did we need a new coach? I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not on the court. I don't know. But I will say this, okay? We just fired a defensive-minded coach. We hired a defensive-minded coach. We don't have defensive players. Um, We don't have shooters. So... Darvin Hem gets on the presser and he says, he literally says, I want Russell Westbrook to set the tone defensively. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be a pit bull. Russell Westbrook setting the tone defensively? What? What? What is he thinking? What did he just say? I thought it was hilarious. It really pissed me off because it, it just it just shows Just the BS that comes out of these press conferences sometimes. It's either BS or he really hasn't watched Russell Westbrook on the defensive end his entire career. Russell Westbrook, great athlete. He's a good off-ball pest in the sense of if you throw a bad pass, he's going to be in those passing lanes and he's catching that bad pass. He's going to steal that, intercept it, get across and score. That doesn't mean he's a good defender. He's just watching the passing lanes. But Darvin Ham saying he's going to set the tone, that to me says he's going to be the guy to like get the stop on the ball and tell guys they're in the wrong places defensively and that they need to be here and they need to position here. Please, give me a break, man. Russell Westbrook, that's not his game. That's not who he's been. That's not who he is. And that's not who he's going to be. If Russell Westbrook turns into that, I mean, who knows what we could expect from the Lakers, but no. Him saying that, that Russ is going gonna, is gonna to lead the team in that sense and, and be the pit bull and set the tone defensively, come on, man. That's, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And it just shows that he's probably just trying to set like a relationship bar between him and Russ to get Russ to do what he needs him to do. I don't even know how he's going to get him to do the things he's saying he wants him to do. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. Um, I think that going forward, I'm going to be covering some, you know, important things. Uh, like I said, just all things basketball, anything that really comes to mind that I would like to talk about. Um, thanks to everybody that's been listening. That's going to do it for this episode of the all things basketball podcast. As always, I'm your host, Vic Lopez. I want to give a big thank you to those in the UK, in Belgium, West Palm beach, Tampa, Miami, Florida, Um, just everyone out there that's been downloading, uh, episode one, uh, I want to thank you that kept me hyped actually while recording this video, uh, my premiere pro crashed on me. So I had to actually redo the entire pod. Um, so hopefully I will save my progress as I record these pods to prevent that from pissing me off in the future. Thanks again, everybody, and have a good weekend.